You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie. And I'm Spencer. And this week we are joined by Philip Carson, a former minister within the prayer movement, here to talk about all different things with us. So everybody, welcome Philip. Philip, welcome. Hey. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. We're excited. Um Tell us, whenever we have a guest on, we always ask them to tell us their life story, their testimony, and a little bit about what they want to talk about today. So let's go. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a little bit of a, a tale of two extremes because you know, I've been in the church my whole life, grew up, I guess, fundamental adjacent, if you will, um, not like full on fundamental like women can't wear pants, but um, just a part of that place, you know, you know, complementarianism, just women can't preach all of that. You know, you've hit on all that in your previous podcast. So I grew up in that, um, you know, still went to public school, of course, but did that straight on youth group kid, all of that. And then go to a Christian, not a Christian, but go to a secular university and get involved with a campus ministry there. And that was good. But then where it started, I go from, you know, very, you know, you know, the fundamental aspect of it to, you know, only having Christian friends really being in a bubble, if you will, even though I went to public high school to this campus ministry where I meet different walks of walks of life, people from all different types of Christianity, if you will, you know, Pentecostal, charismatic, fundamental anywhere in between. And when you throw that into a secular university environment, it got a little wild. So when I got involved there, I met some friends who were from a more charismatic stream. And obviously they weren't really like, we know you're a good little fundamental conservative kid. We're going to tone it down for you. You know, we'll just be friends, right? So we did that. We got close. We were good friends. And then what happened, I only have gone two semesters at this university just because family stuff happened. So then I had really gotten to know these friends well and started to discover my faith in a more charismatic way, if you will. And so when I couldn't go back to college, I had actually found out about um, a ministry in that city that is a part of the prayer movement or you know, the IHOP movement, International House of Prayer associated with Kansas City. And it was very small. There were no young adults. It was mostly, you know, old white ladies who just love to pray, which, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that on its face. But so I walk in, young adults, they lose their mind because like we've been praying for this for, you know, however many years it's been open. So they go berserk and I meet the director. And when they find out that I can't go to school anymore, they're like, 
oh my gosh, a young adult. Let's 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 bring him in. Let's like give him a little stipend of money and let's you know do all this because we need young adults to to further our movement. But you know, I'm young, impressionable, eighteen year old kid, you know, white kid from a trailer park. So <laughs> oh, cool, let's do this. So I do that, and then I have to try and tell my very um, Baptist family <laughs> that I want to do this. You know, they already felt bad enough that I couldn't go, that I didn't want to go back. And they already felt bad enough that the school wasn't working out just because of family stuff anyway. And then I wanted to do this and still, you know, live away from home and do all this and because they were also going to provide housing for me so i had a maid basically you know and so i did that and like we're going to make you an intern the first ever internship they made it just for me so you know cool let's wrap it all package it all up for me so i did that and then it turns out some more of my friends from college got involved there and we were this big you know first little group there so that went I interned there and then I left to go be a camp counselor for summer. So that was fun. You know, Christian camp is a whole thing. <laughs> um, did that. And then I came back and got on full-time staff there. Now the way it works is, and I know Kansas city does this also is that you have to raise your own support. Because you know they don't value you enough as a person or a warm body in the prayer room enough that you have to raise your own money. Mm-hmm. So, so I had to do all that, and I did all this. You know, newly married. She's she's working part time. I'm working part time on the side, thinking, oh, this is what God wants for me. And then they keep saying, oh, well, you must not be working hard enough, or because you know if you're called to this, then money should be hard to raise. And it's like, oh, cool. Well, guess I'm not called for this. Great. So, yeah. So that was, I was there for about um, four years, maybe. Holy shit. Yeah. So I was, I interned there. And then, like I said, I left for the camp and then came back and I was there about four years. And it started, uh, this specific ministry started to, it still exists, but it's not the same as it used to be. Um, but it started to fizzle out once the leader left to start up another one. Cause you know, this is only the third one he started up. So, um, so he did that. And then once that leader left a lot, of, it just started to fizzle out and people started to go their separate ways. So I did that for about four years. So later ask me all of the deeds about that prayer movement because i will tell you um but moving on so after that we all went our separate ways so we go to different churches in the city we start just church hopping trying to find a place um i had already had a relationship with uh in assemblies of god church in the city so we go there and my wife has an assemblies background so we decided to try it out we already had a relationship there i knew one of the pastors there i knew all the pastors but i knew the one pastor there specifically and he took me under his wing he promised me the world you know all this you know but still an impressionable you know 20 year old kid at the time it's like okay but what but obviously, you know, 
you put a person in authority and put and then put them you know what what really he was doing was grooming me you know mm. you know now i know that now you know but at that time you just don't think anything of it you just think that you're like the most important person in that in that person's world but so i won't go into details i mean obviously trigger warning but you know he obviously you know took advantage of the situation and you know went from there so but it's just not talked about in the church especially male sexual abuse even though you know mm-hmm. one in six men i think is the statistic for um will be and that's not even in the church that's just one in six in the country i think of men will be sexually abused in their lifetime so it's nice to know that um i'm not alone but the good thing is um he got found out and got forced to resign Mm. so that happened and that was awesome so he got that going for at least um so there's that so then now um zooming in we're at we're at a church now that we enjoy i mean we enjoy and it's actually for this area i live in i live in the midwest but it is really diverse for where we where we live you know i think we have you know we have latinx black white asian i think the only one not represented is indigenous and for that's actually you know i mean it's it's i would say it's it's pentecostal of course but it's i mean it's non-affirming and obviously we are but we we just you know we keep one foot in and one foot out but we have good relationships with the people there and they don't they're not super weird about it so and they don't know what we believe and we don't care so <laughs> yeah so that's that's my life in a nutshell so wowie well first of all i am so sorry that happened to you and fuck that guy on it well you know not actually <laughs> but like screw that guy oh well never mind um that guy is rude <laughs> no it's it is you could you could do you could say whatever you want about it. that's fine with me yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm triggered in the sense that Pentecostal churches, really? Come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, yeah. I've seen both sides of it. I understand. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But anyways, going back to what happened to you, how has that affected your faith, if at all? For a long time, I felt the shame. I mm-hmm. thought it was my fault. I thought, oh, I let this happen to me. Um, of course, then they also say we're going to pay for counseling, but it's a Christian counselor, and you know they're not licensed, and you know think it's you know, Lord forbid it be you know, male and male, and you know they don't know how to deal with that in, in the first place. So, so that made it worse. But I felt. Yeah, like I said, I felt it was my fault, the shame aspect of it. Um, I knew, and I still know, that it wasn't God's fault. Mm. It, it was that. I, I call him, I don't know if you're Harry Potter fans, but I call him he who must not be named. Mm. Um, but I know that was him and it wasn't God. So, I mean, it didn't really affect my relationship with God that much. It was just mostly like, more of a me thing 
obviously I couldn't, I didn't talk about it for a long time. Of course, you know, everyone's journey is different with, you know, talking about it. Um, but I didn't even realize it was abuse until I, you know, not too, maybe about a year or so ago. So, you know, so it's been very recently where it just finally triggered in my brain. Oh, that's what that was. Oh, okay. Now I can approach that and try and get, move on from it in, in some way, you know, get some sort of closure from it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times those uh, of us who do suffer from abuse don't want to recognize it because uh-huh. then it means that we were abused like that. The reality right. of that is just really jarring and um, compartmentalizing is a very normal thing. So says my therapist. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, that's totally understandable. And honestly, it's surprising to me that it didn't like affect your relationship with God more. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like my deconstruction started because I was like, wow, my parents are mean to me. How could the Lord let this happen? My deconstruction started because of Donald Trump. So he's the only thing. <laughs> he's the only, that's the only good thing to come out of him. So, you know. Oh, <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah, I think, um, so you, I know you had said you were like raised in the church, but mm-hmm. like you went to public school and things right. like that. Um, I think for me, like, I've gone to public school my whole life. Um, became a Christian like as a teenager. Um, I kind of, I kind of like understand that in the sense of I think. I mean, I don't know how public school is like in like the Midwest, but like I feel like I was quote unquote exposed to the world enough that like when certain bad things happened, my instant gut reaction wasn't like, I can't believe God did this mm, to me. Right. When I had a lot of friends that grew up in the church that when something traumatic would happen that their first instinct was like, why would God let this happen? Right. Because their whole world had been sheltered in this sense of like, like God is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like I said, I think I had that balance of like knowing that like, shitty things happen because there's shitty people and you know, that's not God's fault, like because free will and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm surprised a little bit in the fact that like, I guess where you said like not much had changed. Um, but I'm also not surprised because I think like, like I said, I feel like you've had some sort of exposure to the quote unquote Mm -hmm. world where you, you know, you just were aware, like shitty things happen. (laughs) I was still for for being a public school kid. I was still based. I was still pretty sheltered. That's <laughs> so. okay. I had friends like yeah. that too. I feel like I was too, in a sense. Like, I mean, I've always been pretty rebellious and never. I mean, my friends would talk about sex and stuff all the time. But as far as like religiosity wise, I feel like I was, my parents at least tried to shelter me. I never got the sex talk, which I'm still kind of bitter about. I didn't either. Only because I, that's one of the, you know, normal traumas that I would like to have is sex talk with your parents. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel feel like I could have written a book about it or what. I don't have any, my parents gave me no food for my father. (laughs) I'm just... I, we're gonna have to address this with somebody who has had the sex talk because I did not find the sex talk dramatic. So, uh, well, my parents are not. We're gonna, we're gonna put a pin in that. My parents are not eloquent. <laughs> They're not 
my dad's really shy. My mom is like, just don't do it. And I was like, okay, don't do what exactly? I don't know what you're talking about. We just didn't talk. That just. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. Tell us how do church kids how do church kids figure out what sex is then? Do your friends tell you? Like I mean you went to public school, so I'm sure you had some minimum sex ed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. health class. Um sure. And friends. (laughs) Friends that Um, wanted to scare the little Christian kids. (laughs) See, all of my friends though were all my my youth group kids i very rarely had you know i went to a large high school so you'd think i would have you know ventured out but they were all you know my youth group kids that i went to church with for the most part so mm. I, we all were struggling Nobody knew. through high school together yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i was in the marching band there was a lot of sexual tension in the marching band let me tell you everybody it's i think that's every high school that's yes <laughs> you spend so much time together and get all stinky together the pheromones are just wafting everywhere i don't know yeah, better. I, <laughs> Sorry. I, I, was no, a choir, I, I was a choir kid i get it <laughs> my my first thought was yeah the band kids spend so much time blowing things that <laughs> That's it. No, I'm you so sorry. Right. I'm you so sorry. are correct. <laughs> that is it's a practice, classic right? marching band joke. Anyways, um <laughs> so, uh so you're married. Um uh-huh. so how when kind of going through of coming out of actually like the, what had happened and then like you said um more recently like processing through uh-huh. like the reality of abuse, like how has that impacted your marriage? How does your spouse kind of like, right. did it impact them personally? Like, well, my wife's a superhero because she's the one who got him to resign in the first place. So, you know, women, feminism all the way. So what a you know, badass. Yeah, she is. Don't mess with her. Anyway, she scared the crap out of him. So, you know, that's what mm-hmm. matters. So, but it put us through the rear. It was really, really hard i mean we got married when we were 22 and didn't know anything and we thought we did so um yeah it put us to the ringer it was really hard for a couple years um Mm -hmm. i mean it was just you know she had her own personal stuff going on too and i did too and it was just really rough but we're finally in a good place now so now that it's behind it and we're moving forward but yeah it was Spencer was pretty hard for a while but i'd like to say we're on the other side of it but you know it's we're getting there yeah before we move on to ihop because i love i hate ihop but i love ihop i'm ready um <laughs> just one question for our listeners what advice would you give other men in a similar situation now that you're on the other end i that's a great question i would say one it's okay to not be okay two Mm. um it's okay to talk about it because men especially like you know because the church likes to preach about you know gender norms you know men are supposed to be this way women are supposed to be this way and you know I always, I like to use the frozen analogy, you know, conceal, don't feel, don't let it show. And 
that's what the church teaches men to do. Mm-hmm. So you just don't talk about it. You know, be a man, man up, and don't do it. And I can't stand the, the man up phrase. Um, but it's okay to talk about. It, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've not told a ton of people about it because I, I mean, I don't need to. But you know, I have a couple of close friends that I talk to about it. They're like, they're like, you know, Phil, we're really supportive of it. So yeah um but it's like i said you know the statistic earlier is that one in six men in this country will be abused in their lifetime and that that sucks but it's also you know that you're not alone and one thing that i found great you know we all know about the national suicide prevention lifeline mm-hmm. there's actually a lifeline for survivors of assault for men and women through rain the rape and abuse rape and incest national network rain with two ends. There's a hotline for that too. You can live chat, you can call, um, and there are great people on the phone. It's 100% anonymous, and they just there to chat with you, talk with you. You know, I used it, and 100% anonymous, and it can plug um, Blicky in with you know a counselor in your area. So it's and it's 100% free, but it's a great resource. Yeah, and I will say that one in six men will report it. True. Yeah, so That's it's true. number could be higher. It's the same with women. One in four women report. So You're right. unfortunately, it's much more common than men would like to believe or accept. So if again, if you need any help, contact Rain and other resources. Mm-hmm. And now on to the nitty gritty. Good. More nitty gritty, I guess. <laughs> okay, my first question, because, okay, you were on the inside. What was the yes. weirdest shit that you saw at oh IHOP? Gosh. So many things. Yes. Um, <laughs> of course, granted, I was a part of a, a smaller one, but I did, I did visit Kansas City, and I did go to a lot of the conferences. Um, so many, like, okay, so they're very big on, like, personal prophecy. So like you pray over someone and you just speak what the Lord is saying. Now I've seen it done well and I've seen it done really bad. Mm-hmm. There was one, I was actually thinking about this a couple of days ago. There was one, uh, they brought, um, a prophetic minister mm-hmm. in to just, you know, she would preach and then pray. And the first rule of prophecy, cause I went through all tons of prophecy training. The first rule is you don't prophesy dates babies or deaths which should be just a general in real life anyway wow babies or deaths yeah or dates so So very very like uh like finite things so like people that's like psychic training like don't be super specific (laughs) let me grab my tarot cards yeah people can yeah people can really just be like um i prophesy that you know like you're gonna have a kid in the next year. Mm. I I know Jeff. that's something that like you yeah. Yeah. Shit, yeah. I had that I had that happen to me. The church we go to now, and I mean I'm you know been disconnected from that for a couple of years now. I had a lady come in, super nice lady, nice lady, because I actually was in the prophecy rooms. It would you know we would record them and people. She's like, like do you remember me? I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> um, like you, you ministered to me in the prophecy room. So I was like, "Oh!" In my head, I'm like, "Crap." <laughs> um, 
I was like, oh, well, does it still bear witness? She's like, yeah, because we would record them and put them on CD. And she's like, yeah, well, I'm like, well, I'm really glad. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm glad. But anyway, so this this minister, she we would call her a capital P prophet because she'd be in the office of prophet. She prophesied. There's these, this older couple. They were dating at the time. They're not together anymore, so... You know, understand that she prophesied that like they would like, get married or grow closer or that sort of thing. And so obviously that didn't happen, going against all of the rules. You know, um, oh, there are some else. I went to some of the conferences in Kansas City, so those were wild. Um, I have a quick prophet story for the listeners and for you, Philip. Phil, if I may, do it. Uh, <laughs> My parents, when I was a kid, prophets would come to our church all the time because we went to an Assemblies of God adjacent mm-hmm. church, very Pentecostal. Um, my parents got this prophecy this one time that my mother still holds on to dearly. This prophet said, you are going to have so much money. You're going to be, I mean, they didn't say it like this, right? They were like, you're going to have a lot of money and you have a big old house and blah, 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 and you're just going to get money. Mind you, my dad's a roofer. There's like a really, like, there's a threshold, right? Like, he makes good money, but not like a mansion in Southern California money. Right? I played Joel Osteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> fuck Joel Osteen. Um, right. My parents have all his books in Spanish. <laughs> they must be very blessed. Yeah. But this is where the fucking rub comes, okay? Because, so this never happened, right? My parents never got all this money. My parents live a very comfortable life. They're fine. But now I feel like my mother thinks that I'm the prophecy because I married a white guy and all of a sudden Lucky that you. means that I have all this money. <laughs> Spencer's dying. Lucky you. You married into privilege, Joseph. I did I married I did marry a privileged white boy with um who's a scientist and but i mean ain't nobody giving him money because otherwise i would see it you know like we're on our own (laughs) um so i feel like my mother thinks that i'm the fulfillment of that prophecy so i'm a little bitter i'm very bitter actually to that prophet Uh, i don't remember who you were dude but fuck you Anyways, what other weird things have you seen? <laughs> we have my my wife and I have an inside joke. She she came here and also did the internship. So you know, mm. but we we have this inside joke where we talk about God's big toe all the time because sorry, Josie, I saw you drinking. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, the director would just talk about how like you know I forget the exact context of it, but it was. You know, because IHOP, they're very big in the, like the glory of God. You can't love God enough. You can't you know, gaze at his, his face enough, right? So they're like, even the presence of God's big toe is better than nothing. <laughs> along those lines. I, I like knew where that was going because I've literally, was I've, literally, so I've literally heard sermons that are like, God has, you know, like God has more power in his pinky than like, than yeah. like Satan has in his whole body, like yeah. So there's just times okay. for my, so there's just times for my wife and I where we just want to chuckle. It's like, hey, God's big toe, and just move on. Like, <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of some. There's some other. Oh, 
so there's a I don't know like if you've heard of any of like the IHOP songs, right? Because in Kansas City they're open twenty four seven, so there's a lot of songs. Wait, fun, can can fun we pa- songs. can we pause for a second? Because I just realized that we never defined IHOP. Oh yes, oh, it's I'm not. Afraid. Sorry, friends. I'm afraid it's sorry. It's not pancakes. Not pancakes. Talking about pancakes. IHOP for those that don't know is the International House of Prayer, <laughs> and yes. I think they did it on purpose. Yes. Well, they actually got into a big old copyright thing with uh, the IHOP pancakes, and so they had to change their website to IHOP KC. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the main one in Kansas City, obviously, they're they're all over the place. You right. One in Pasadena, they have another twenty-four hour one in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Um, but oh, I forget where I was going now. Um, oh, the worship songs. So since they're open 24 hours a day, right? There's a lot of like, and they get like prophetic words and they sing them sometimes, they're called oracles, cause you know, why not? And there's a song and I used to love this song, but, and it just goes with it cause their end time theology is wild. They have- <gasps> Next topic, but continue. <laughs> well, okay. They, but their worship songs, like part of their end time theology is they think Jesus will return in a literal form and he will carry a sword on his side, slay his enemies, and there'll be blood everywhere. Okay. So there's this song. It's called Gird Your Sword Right On. And they say, Gird your sword upon your side, almighty one, ride on victoriously. And I had friends visiting that day we sang that song. And I had to turn and be like, let me explain this to you. And just, it was, yeah, I should have known then. <laughs> but, and I was reminded of this a few days ago. You know, like they had a message one week, like this is what cults are. This is why we're not a cult. I'm like, I should just, you know, if you have to preach on why you're not a cult, then, Mm -hmm. you know, right. Anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wasn't there like a crazy murderer guy that came out of IHOP? Am I thinking of that correctly? Um, they were very quick to write that. Well, he wasn't like officially a part of it. Like he had taken some classes there and I'm like, I don't know, like, cause we're always so quick to try and defend. I mean, there's also a supposed scandal where they were aligned with, um, Uganda passed this law a few years ago, like giving, I don't know if like they would put, um, LGBTQ people to death. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, like IHOP was aligned with that. I don't know if that's true. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they were. But, um, so I mean, Chick Fil A was fair enough. So, but yeah. So, and it's funny because you know, I don't. I don't know. You probably don't follow CCM music, but Corey Asbury. I do. Came, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Okay. I'm okay. <laughs> but Corey Asbury came from the House of Prayer. In Kansas City, and now he's and so Reckless Love came out, and people all up in arms about. It. I'm like, do you know where he came from? Because that would make so much sense. First I mean, of all, that makes sense because I fucking hate that song. The Lord's love is not reckless; it's very intentional. It's very much, you know, it's not reckless. <laughs> I don't know what people are talking about. We're all up in arms over it. I'm like, guys, if you know where he came from, it wouldn't be that weird. Like, I mean, yeah. But also, it's it's one of those of it's not surprising because he's a member of the Bethel Collective, and we all know that, that Bethel. Fuck Bethel. Too. Bethel got the weird stuff coming out of there too. So I feel like well, I, yeah. I, I hop, so, yeah. <laughs> I hop is like the traditional like 
old school like weird prayer movement charismatic and bethel is that but trying to like disguised as that trying to be cool yeah like we're the norcal hipsters and they're just like i I tell you what i i saw a video of bethel this is a couple years back i was still fully in the movement then they were trying to play off like oh my gosh look at all this gold dust and they have a camera up in the raptors like it looks just like regular dust to me like i don't see what you're saying so yeah it's your lights glittering off of that so yeah Mm -mm. wild stuff but you want to know about end times now huh well before that actually i came up with another question this was probably a quicker question um does i have believe in faith healing um yes but it's not, they're not like all like, don't go to the doctor. They're like, God, we believe God can heal you, but we also think doctors serve a purpose. So they're, they're like, they're not like anti-doctor about all that. But I mean, I've seen people get radically okay. healed. That's cool. But they're also like, go to the doctor. <laughs> so, right. I respect that. Yeah. One of the few things I'll probably respect about Yes. <laughs> yeah. As somebody whose parents tried to pray over her torn ACL... Uh, I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> Routine procedure, yes. you know. That's a, that's I, a good middle, middle ground to have. Yeah, I, yeah res- totally. I, I definitely respect the, um, like, you know, like at church every week, like every week, like the pastor will pray over like, you know, because like COVID numbers and oh. things like that. And she always prays like God, like give like the medical staff wisdom to like uh-huh. treat people and like heal them and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, amen. Like, I think that's cool. Like definitely yeah. pray for medical staff. And we acknowledge that like science is real. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. Science is a miracle. Accept the miracle. Yeah. God damn it. Anyways, <laughs> uh, end times. <laughs> end times. So I don't know if they still do this, but when I was a part of my internship at the one, the ministry I was a part of, they had it's called the Omega class. Go to the yes. right. You go. I haven't seen you this excited, Josie, since you talked about Mormons. Um, but wow, he you, does listen to the pod. <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to the last couple of days to prepare. Um, so, <laughs> Ooh. Uh, but this is homework. <laughs> I try. So, but we they had a workbook you go through it because they're like they're not like left behind they're not like dispensation like pre-trip they're post-trip they're very like jesus will come back so you have some people who are i mean for lack of a better term doomsday preppers because they think jesus is gonna the mormons are into that too by the way yeah. i have cousins that are i had preppers. <laughs> i had uh i had some people there who were um, they said they weren't serious, but they probably were serious. They were like, we're going to do tilapia farming to prepare for Jesus' return. Um, yeah. So, but we'd, I'd have a workbook. We'd go through it. This is what we believe. They also had an Omega board game. I don't know if they still do that anymore. Um, it looked like Sorry, like the game Sorry. I didn't play it. Oh, like, no. Sorry, you're going to hell. Yeah, Sorry, you're going to hell. <gasps> exactly. <laughs> um so yeah they're very like into like and they're also like because of their end times because of pressure they're very like pro-israel and Mm. like pray for the peace of jerusalem do all this like the jewish people will have a chance to be saved and all that um so there's also that too i find that very fascinating my dad is the same way i mean i've had to convince him that you know dad 
I mean, Israel's Jesus was different. Jewish. Yeah, um, but like, I, you know, it's different. It's a the, country. The well, the the like the theology of like um, like Israel, like the Jews, like mm-hmm. air quotes, you know, like that they um, like will have a chance to like proclaim Christ. Mm-hmm. I like had never heard that until when I went to APU. One of the mm-hmm. girls in my dorm, her dad was Jewish, like ethnically and religiously mm-hmm. and her mom was like an evangelical christian and her dad was like on the board of their church and i was like isn't that weird like he's not a christian she's like not really because like we believe that like when jesus comes back like he'll redeem the jews and like reveal himself to them and yeah. they'll be saved and i was like i have literally never heard that like that is wild mm-hmm. we had entire intercession sets where where we would pray for israel and I was a part of that worship team for a while. I didn't play. I was one, a prayer leader, but we did a lot. And there was we, um, some friends of mine. Um, they're like way, like they're obviously not Jewish, but they're really into the Jewish holidays. Like Yom Kippur just happened. These tabernacles, mm-hmm. they're going to have a tent set up. Like, like, a, like a messianic Jew. Yeah, I guess. But I'm like, but you're not, they're not ethnically Jewish. They're Christian, so they're not Jewish. So, but, yeah, I mean, it's okay to acknowledge it, but it's just you can go a little too far, I think. But. Yeah, there's a there's a real fine line of um, again when I was in Bible college, like I had to do a report on like Messianic Jews, mm-hmm. and um, finding out that like most Messianic Jews aren't even ethnically Jewish, like right. has a lot of like ethical dilemmas behind it mm. because like Jew like. Like, especially like when you, in terms of like Torah, like respect and like uh-huh. readings and like rites of passage, all of that kind of stuff that like the, the Jews believe in, like, they're very much like the, like, if you're not eth- ethnically Jewish, you want to be religiously Jewish, then you're like all in, like you can't right. be a messianic Jew. Mm-hmm. Like if you're ethnically Jewish, like even if you're not religiously Jewish, like they want you to participate in that because of like the preservation of like Israel and all of that. And I'm like, okay, I understand that. But yeah, they're very much like, if you're not ethnically Jewish and you're not religiously Jewish, like you got to peace right. out. Like this right. is not for you. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one thing about the house of Birmingham. I'm like, God, that's not that bad, but, um, but the cons do outweigh the way the pros I'm trying to think if there was, there was a lot of, um, oh, okay, fasting. Let me talk about this at the House of Prayer. I hated fasting, okay? I never did it. I refused. <laughs> did you never do fasting, Spencer, in church? Yeah, no, 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 we did, but our fasting was very, um, like, I think our just fasting was different because ours was very, like, um, like a sun up to sun down kind of thing. And it was always like, it was, and it was always like a, um, like there was a time when we were fasting. Um, I don't remember who exactly, but like somebody's kid was like in the hospital and my mom fasted like all week, but again, it was like a sun up to sun down. And she like, and I remember like asking her like, Oh, what is it about? And I like did it at school a couple days, but again, it was like, once the sun went down, like we would normally have like some sort of like small dinner together because when you haven't eaten all day you don't really want a big meal anyways um Mm. and yeah like we could still drink water and stuff and but like some people are very much like the nothing for like extended periods (laughs) we we didn't do any of that so that's where like i i understand where people are like i hate fasting for me i'm like well i have like a pretty okay relationship with fasting (laughs) fasted 
every month for like three days. And then when our director thought he heard from God and, oh, let's do a 21 day fast. But the, the monthly fast was called the global bridegroom fast because the passage in Matthew, I think that says it's coming a day when the bridegroom will be taken away and then they will fast. So that's the biblical, what aspect of from that they say, because in IHOP, he's the bright, Jesus is the bridegroom king judge, you know? Um, <laughs> So we would do that. And so there were times where we'd have the 21 day fast and everyone would, everyone would ask God what fast to do. So some people would do a Daniel fast where it was just, you know, fruits, vegetables, water. Some mm-hmm. people would do different kinds of fasts like, Oh, I think I need to do a social media fast or I think I need to do um, like pop fast, that sort of thing. Pop. Um, I'm a Midwestern boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a corn-fed boy over here. Corn-fed. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, or my favorite was I thought I heard from the Lord one time to do a speech fast. So I had a notepad with me one time where I'd just write like things that because I couldn't didn't talk. Yeah. You know? Oh, Philip. Yes, I know. I like. I'm sorry. Like, I don't want to judge people because it's hilarious. Like, I think I'm like, judging. I think fasting is like a great thing, and like mm-hmm. I still participate in it. But yeah, the I'm gonna fast from speaking. Like, you just really wanted to. Be, you really wanted to be the holiest in the room with that. Yeah, I'm you out. <laughs> but, but that's what I hoppers think. Yeah, I hoppers think that like they come. Ac- I don't think they mean to do it this way, but they come across like they're better than everyone else because oh, we're called to be priests of the altar because like we're priests like the tabernacle of David. Mm-hmm. So because all they do is sit in a prayer room all day and don't do anything else. I mean, they say they, say they go out and they do justice and, and they might to an aspect. I mean, we had, we did do some things like we helped out the Salvation Army, that sort of stuff. But they, when you sit in a prayer room all day, you're very detached from reality. And so that sort of stuff, you just think you're better than everyone else. Like, oh, I'm a priest. Like I... 20 year old me is just he was wild but <laughs> there was a, a friend of mine um we oh, this story is just funny but we got called i'm ashamed to say this we got called the beanbag prophets a friend of mine did because i we had beanbags just sat in front of the prayer room oh, no. and we would sit there and I don't know. You guys know who Lou Engle is, right? No. No? Okay. Well, Lou Engle's this guy who just rocks back and forth and says, Jesus. <laughs> oh, everybody. Yeah, he's like that, but he rocks back and forth. So we would just sit there, like rock back and forth and just like pray, like whatever. But because we've got these like beanbag prophet names, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? But anyway, so that's another funny story. You got to put your body into it. <laughs> Yeah, but I the mean, fasting, I, yeah, yeah. The fasting was was wild because, yeah, because we would call the twenty one days like sometimes, you know, whenever we see fit, and then you know, just, yeah. yeah. No, I totally get that whole idea of like being better than everybody else because mm-hmm. I've been telling my dad I like made this discovery in my life recently that I have my attitude I have my ego I have all of who I am is because my parents told me I was better than everybody else <laughs> and I really internalized that 
And one, because I was better than everybody else because I was saved. I was a Christian. I was a good girl, blah, 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 blah. And then I could carry a tune. So I could carry on the family legacy of being a musician. So I was in the church choir. So I was better than everybody else and blah, blah, blah. And then I was smart. So I was better than everybody else in my hood church. Apparently I was smarter than everybody else. And then I went to college. So, oh my gosh, I was even, I was just like, you know, exemplifying excellence. I was better than everybody else. And my parents always made everybody make sure that they knew that I was better than everybody else because whatever, whatever, whatever. So I blame evangelicalism for that, for my ego. <laughs> Dang evangelicalism. Yeah. I I just got back from uh because sometimes I, I mean, I still stay, I'm not part of it anymore, but I stay in touch with, some people just, I still have some friends mm. in that movement. And I just, I, I've watched it. I watch people like just regular intercessors, people who come up and pray on the right. Like I watch them now and that used to be me. And I'm like, are they actually praying God's heart? Or are they just praying like what they think they want? Mm. And that, that's really like, for me, it's just like, you know, Oh God, like, I mean, because you can pray, oh, God, like, get, like, slay the virus. Oh, God, get rid of that. If you can pray that, and be fine. But then there's people like, oh, God, go to war against, like, anti-maskers. Like, you know, that sort of thing. And that's an extreme example. But, like, you know, I just, I had that thought a couple of days ago. I'm like, are these people, like, they're praying within their worldview. They're not praying mm-hmm. what they think God's heart is. And that's the one thing for me It's just, like, I mean, I was guilty of it when I was a part of it. It's like, okay. But, yeah, I mean, we all like to put on the show when we're yeah. put on the stage, you know? Understandable. There, um, Josie, I don't know if you remember, but there was a guy that used to go around our campus and, like, pray for everybody that, like, was in a cast or on crutches. Um, and- did I happen to... <laughs> work adjacently to this person <laughs> i probably i i guess he would work in that office yeah yep yep mm-hmm. uh, i know who you're talking about he didn't wear shoes so um mm. but uh yeah he would walk around campus and always like pray for people that were like again like in cast or crutches or whatever and like uh, again like i like i totally believe in like the power of prayer mm-hmm. but like Absolutely. he would do it Again, like just in the middle of campus, like people he didn't know, like strangers, like and so didn't publicly. always get consent. Let me tell yeah, you, yeah, like would just walk up to people and be like touching like your ankle, like wrapped in a little cast, and like, and it it always rubbed me the wrong way because exactly what you said of like, like where's the heart in this? Like right. for me, like so many times, like I said, we would be like in a very public space, like in the middle of like the the, the food court on campus, and he would just like. And like play, pray out loud too. And so it was just always like, this is not like, this does not give me the vibes that like mm-hmm. he thinks it is. You know what I mean? We had yeah. one of those on our campus, but he was a very like, everyone's going to hell. So, I mean, I would have loved to have that one compared <laughs> to the one we had. Again, yes. I, he was I a very nice guy, but. He was very nice. But again, just sometimes I'm like, hmm, you can pray silently at your chair while you eat your chicken nuggets. You don't have to tuck mm-hmm. it in the girl. I'm, sen- <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing the difference between the Midwest and the West Coast here is what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Oh my gosh. Girl, you didn't even know. That's Westerners are... I think 
Okay, but also not polite. <laughs> I think going to a Christian school, you're not gonna have the people that are like everybody's That's going true. to hell. Because like if you went down the street to like the public college, like where my, some of my friends went, like they had people like that on their campus. So mm-hmm. yeah, that guy ended up getting arrested too. Cause I, I work in the criminal justice system in my County where I live. So I, I, I know all about that. So yeah, he ended up getting arrested. So, you know. <gasps> that's, wow. what we call, uh, that's what we call God's holy justice. Y'all. Right. Uh, <laughs> amen. Amen. Very Don't fast. send people to hell without their consent. Amen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if hell's even real, who knows? It, a it's loser not. It's and a, a loser and a button up can't send you to hell. Okay. Amen. Well, Philip, we have loved having you. Um, we would Great. love to have you again if you ever so desire. Whenever you want, man. Oh heck yeah! Uh, yeah, I'm not quite done with IHOP. Let me tell you, I'm gonna do okay. some more research and gather some more questions. Do it. In I'm, the meantime, <laughs> again, just remember, y'all, International House of Prayer. Yes. Not pancakes, because I would love to yeah. go to the pancake house with y'all, not the prayer. House. Hey, real fast. IHOP sponsor us. Come on. <laughs> They're too busy fasting to eat pancakes. They can't go to all you can eat pancakes. <laughs> You're right. They can't do it. But um, you don't want people to find you, Philip. So we're not going to ask you. Sorry, um, everybody. It's all right. That's okay, because they can find us on Instagram. Yeah. At Speaking in Church, they can find Josie at Josie Takes the World. They can find me at Spence Rose. And if y'all want to email us, speakinginchurch at gmail.com. Still waiting on that conservative, everybody. It's fine. I'll wait. It's all good. Philip, you know any conservatives that want to come I know too many. Oh, Oh, being in the Midwest, (laughs) I can imagine. Bye. Friends. As always. Stay woke or get woke. And Jesus loves you. Bye. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.